What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation I'm about to have uh, for a few reasons. Um, one, because it's not often that I come across people who look like me in this advertising industry, um, let alone they do the specific, uh, they're in the specific position that, that I one day strive to be in. You know, and two, Brandon works for, well, the guest that I'm sitting with, Brandon, he works for Google, uh, the creative studio, I believe, or the brand studio. Brand studio. He's actually the first person I had from a brand on the podcast. Everyone else has been from, from the agency side. So I've been looking forward to speaking to someone from a brand. And he also has experience at Wyden and Kennedy. Um, but we'll get more into that a little bit later. Um, we're here at the JW Marriott uh, in downtown L.A. We're at the Ad Color Conference. Brandon, welcome back to L.A. Thank you, bro. Thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, no problem. How you doing? Good, good. Tired, but good. There's <laughs> a lot right. of energy down here. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, uh, can you start by just giving the, the listeners a brief introduction of who you are? Well, I'm Brandon. Uh, you know, like you said, uh, I'm a creative lead in Brand Studio, but I'm based out of Portland, which uh, most people don't even realize we have a Portland office, but we don't try to put that on the map. <laughs> uh, spent many years over at Widen and Kennedy Portland as well. That's my family over there as well. And um, came from VCU, undergrad and grad school. So that's where I did my did my dirty work at and uh, been in the industry for a little while and brought me here with you okay sounds good so you're currently a creative lead at Google yeah. um, what exactly does that mean and what do you, what do you do in that position brand side is a little different than uh, agency side it's the titles titles change but it's the same you know, the same thing as a as a creative lead you're basically a creative director it's the same but you have different layers and different levels but it's, it's pretty much the same the same job with Brand Studio, we have a little more flexibility. We can lead work. We can work on work. Um, you know, it's always one of the trade-offs of becoming a creative director is if you're still in the world where you want to make work, mm -hmm. if you're one of the people that actually wants to get your hands dirty, a lot of times you, you take on a creative director role and you, you no longer get to do that as much. You're, you're kind of just leading the, the work. You're not really making the work. But at Brand Studio, I kind of get a little bit more flexibility where certain projects I might be leading and certain projects I'm, I'm making, which is still fun. You know what I mean? but, uh, and it's such a big company, it's a, a lot of creative to go around, so uh, you get to pick and choose a little bit of that. All right, so what's the difference between Google and the Google Brand Studio? Well, Brand Studio is, we, we work on the brand narrative of, of Google. Mm -hmm. So like, whereas an advertising agency has clients, you know, take a Wyden Kennedy, you know, I work with Powerade, Nike, and slew of other brands there we're an agent that's an agency working towards you know um, meeting deadlines for a client um, and, and answering that client's needs at brand studio we work on the brand of google the entire brand that's a huge responsibility it's not like we're working on hardware uh, um, which is which is still a big responsibility but just like kind of a little more pointed brand studios like the things we do touch the entire narrative of the entire brand, and, yeah. and that's a huge, 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 huge responsibility. You know I mean? It'd be like working internal at Nike on the entire Nike brand, you know what I mean? with the with the entire public's perception of this brand is coming through our department. Okay, so when you say the brand, like, can you be even a little more specific? Like, what type of projects specifically do you guys work on, and like, what platforms? Um, uh, everything. So it's it's specific. It's brand specific. So. You know, like when you see, let's say you see a Pixel commercial, right? Mm -hmm. That's not the brand of Google, that's Pixel. But if, if let's say your president um, starts to have a, 
uh, all-out war against tech companies and specifically calls out a company like ours, well, that answer, whatever we put out in response to that, will probably come through our studio. Mm. We also do, you know, brand-centric things like uh, year-end search, which is Google's data-driven, you know, year-end review of the, you know, this year will be 2019's year-end review, basically called year-end search, and that's a brand narrative statement. It's, it's about the entire brand. It's kind of a just do it in a way, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's not specific to like a shoe it's, or a product. It's the entire, we're talking about the brand Google and how people do it. Our department also has Doodle in it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you see a Google Doodle, it's, it's like a Super Bowl every day. Enough people see that every single day globally. It's the equivalent of a Super Bowl every day. So really, really big, big things. Some of the things that we take for granted, um, that's part of the challenge of working on a brand like Google is you, you take some of these things for granted at times where you're like, man, you don't realize how big this company is and how much reach this company has. So, that's, you know, that's the gist of it. Okay. Um, so, let, let's let's rewind a little bit. So, prior to your position at Google, you were at Widen for, yep. I believe, like seven years, right? Yeah, around seven years. Um, what was that transition like for you going from the agency to Google? Uh, it, was, it was weird transition uh, business-wise, but it wasn't... The people I went to work with were people I respected from the agency side. They were old colleagues and, and people I knew had um, great work and great intentions to make great work. So the trust was already there to, that I would be in good hands to, mm -hmm. to try to move my career over to the client side. But um, it was, it's a different world. It is. There's, you know, when you work for a corporation as large as Google, you, there's some rules to it. There's some things you got to learn. And the, way, the way creativity is valued is a little bit different. The way it's seen is a little bit different. You come from a place like Widen's independent agency that answers to itself to come in working for a place like Google that has a lot of a lot of rules and a, and a lot of you know, key opinion formers and a lot of people who are invested in that company. So you know it changes a little bit, it changes a little bit of the dynamic of how creative works. But in some ways good, some ways bad. You know. Would you say working at an agency prior helped you? Uh, absolutely. Adjust. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I recommend it. You know, I think it's good for creatives to work on both sides of that. Because they're two different worlds that are trying to do the same thing, you know what I mean? Um, you, I think on the client side, you have a lot more freedom. Um, you might not make as much work, but you have a lot more freedom on the client side to, to like understand the ins and outs of why you're doing these things. On the agency side, a lot of times you're answering to a, a call that someone has, a, call, a distress signal, and you're answering that. And you sometimes have limited information, and but you have more freedom to think crazy right mm -hmm. um, because sometimes not knowing who it's going to or you know what it's serving gives you just freedom to just be creative and be brutally creative and you know when you're on the agency side there's a freedom of thought you know it's, it's, a, it's a funner environment but when you're on the client side there's a freedom of like information you're, you have access to all the information mm -hmm. so let, let's say you have a piece killed in, in an agency you might be like, man, why'd they kill that? Nobody can really provide that information for you. Mm. But on the agency side, you, well, they killed it because so-and-so said this and this and this. And you're like, well, yeah, all right. Yeah. On to the next one. Let's make some more work. You know yeah. what I mean? So it has its pros and its cons. Uh, you just mentioned, like, killing projects. For those that don't know, that's like when you have an idea and it just doesn't go through, right? Yeah, you know, you might work six months on a project and then find out projects did. And that's what's, the nature that of what like? we what's do. That, what's that like. Well, I got to tell you, man, I have a philosophy on this. Look, yeah. there's a lot of creatives that get real simple, you know, real, real hurt about 
having a work killed and I can get it, right? You're investing your time, your energy, your, your life into this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Creatives care about what they make. A good creative cares about what they make. They care about, you know, how it's going to be done, the details, the polish, the patina on it. Like, so it, it does hurt when you have something killed. But for me, that's the job. You paying me for my ideas. You paying me to think this way. So even if it dies, the check cleared, my service is already done. So I can't get really hurt when, when things die like that. You know, it's like I, I give them their moment. We'll have a drink and a toast to it, and then we just move on because that's the job. You know, so I try to keep light baggage when it comes to that. The other thing I'll tell you too, man, is like a young creatives getting into the game, people like yourself too as a creative, ain't nothing ever really actually dead. Every idea you had, man, you just put that in the top drawer. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's going to come back around three, four, five years later in your career, maybe on a different brand, maybe in a different agency. But you recycle you recycle everything you ever come up with and develop, you keep it. Don't ever throw it away because that stuff is all going to lead to something one day. And it's just going to make your life easier later down the line when you're freelancing or when you when you join another company. Good, good answer. I, 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 I believe that 100%. Yeah, you'll um, see it. <laughs> so... What, what do you think uh, both Wyden and Google saw in you to, to bring you on board? Like, what, what do you think they saw in you that you offered to the, to the brand? What, yeah. How did you separate yourself from the pack? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's hard to say, you know. Um, I guess with, with companies, with advertising agencies, I went, to a, I went to a prominent advertising school, you know. I graduated undergrad um, during a terrible time, which was the recession in 2007, so there wasn't any jobs. So I was forced eventually to go back to grad school to try to get a, you know, some, some paperwork that showed I was valid enough to be in this industry, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was also at a time when I think like diversity wasn't a big uh, target for these companies. And so it was a little bit harder. I think it's a little bit easier now if, if you've like taken any of the you know, precautions to get into this industry, you can get in a little easier now because the aperture is open where they're looking. These companies were only looking at certain places now. So I, I really don't know what they saw in me other than probably like somebody had a lot of energy yeah. and a lot of passion. Uh, I'm a, I was a very passionate person. I think that in order to be in this industry and be successful, sometimes you have to be passionate. People want to see you care about what you do. And, you know, I'm also uh, like a pretty friendly dude. I'm a southerner, so, you know what I mean? I, I like to, you know, make sure everyone is introduced to each other and everyone's comfortable around each other. And, you know, if I'm working with partners, I like to really like be friends with my partners it's not just a business thing to me it's like it's a friendship so i think those things made for made me a little marketable as, okay. a, as a creative you know low risk <laughs> you know okay um we we briefly had a chance to speak yesterday and we mm -hmm. talked about a few different things really quick and it was really good and i made note of that and one of the things was i found out that like myself you're like a non-traditional student yeah. um and i just kind of want to get your perspective on um you know, people who are non-traditional and kind of feel a little insecure about coming into, like, switching careers or coming yeah. into a new industry. Like, what, what, what can you speak speak on it in terms of that? I think it's good. You know, like anybody that to me takes a non-traditional route is going to have a much better potential for growth. You know what I mean? Because like the things that make you what you are. If you if you just have like one perspective on things, if you just went through like the perfect school for the perfect job for the perfect, you know what I mean? It kind of makes you too perfect. And that's to me. There's, there's no interest in that. Like you, having a non-traditional approach to, to this, especially this industry, is like think about when you're doing mass communications. This industry's under the, under the umbrella of mass communications, right? Mm -hmm. You're speaking to everyone. Like if, if you're working for a Coca-Cola 
you want everybody to drink Coca-Cola. You don't just want one audience to drink Coca-Cola. You want everybody to drink that, right? If you make a you make a movie, you want everybody to see this movie. You don't want just one group of people to see this movie and like it. So having a non-traditional background gives you a non-traditional perspective. It gives you more variety. It, it teaches you how to talk to multiple groups of people, types of people. It, it doesn't silo you in a way. And being siloed is a bad thing early on in your career. It's a real bad thing. Because mm-hmm. you, you only have one way of thinking. And this career is all about thinking differently, wide, opening the aperture. Everything you do opens your aperture more and more and more and more and more and more. So I think it's a benefit. I think all the kids that get discouraged about like not coming the traditional route, I think they should be uh, very happy they didn't. You know, because it, it's ultimately going to make them much stronger creatives in the end. You know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so let's stay on the, the topic of being a student. Um, you went to VCU Brand Center. Yep. Um, I've actually never personally looked into VCU, but I've heard it so many times because, like yeah. I said, like I'm, I study the industry, I listen to podcasts, I read books. Mm-hmm. All the top creatives come from either two schools. It's VCU or the Creative Circus. Yep, yep. Um, A lot of colleagues and friends from both. Yeah, you're actually the first person I'm actually sitting down with that went to VCU. So oh. can you just talk about like what VCU is and um, why you think they're in the position they are of being like an industry leader? Yeah. And what you picked up from that? I mean, VCU, like, let's, let's be clear, all grad schools are businesses, just like all businesses are businesses. Um, what they're looking for is the same thing the agencies are looking for. They're looking for a top talent that they can help groom that ultimately can come back and, and you know, pay dividends back for them you know, by recruiting. Or, you know, if, if you're a VCU and you have, um, you know, kids that come through your program and they go off to be ECDs of some of the most prominent agencies who you think they're gonna look to hire from the same place you know and that's what VCU's done so well Mm -hmm. it's created this network so a lot of a lot of what you're gonna understand in this industry is networking is a lot it's a lot of it right it's gonna change your life to be connected right and so VCU what it did for me was connected me to to the proper people I didn't know a lot of people in the industry until I went to to VCU's Branson and then it plugged immediately plugged me into this like fraternity of um, people that had come through the program under the same teachers and things. And that just gave me access to ask questions I didn't have answers for. So, man, I might want to work at this place. Well, I know somebody there through the alumni network, you know what I mean? I could shoot them an email and say, hey, man, like, class of X, Y, Z, like, heard about you through so-and-so, want to connect, pick your brain on something. Oh, yeah, man, absolutely, let's do that, you know. And because it's such a prominent school in this industry, we have people in every agency. So that that was really what what I learned from grad school. To be honest with you, is that it's a business, mm-hmm. and you know you gotta you gotta understand that to get what you want out of the business. What about like skills wise? Like I know you did your your undergrad. Um, yeah. How much of a of a transition did you go through like in your skills um, from your undergrad to when you finished? Um, yeah. Well, VCU gets you ready. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Brand Center is a lot of ex industry people who. Have, you know, cut their teeth at places like Widen and Kennedy and stuff. And, and um, they have some interdisciplinary people as well that are just very interesting and, like, very hard. Like, they, man, I got to tell you, it was one of the roughest college experiences I ever had because it, you, it's the first time you work. It's like going to art school, right? The first time your work is, like, on display uh, and, and being criticized openly, right? And for creative, like, I had a teacher who told me once, like, you got to develop steel in your stomach because that steel is what's going to, you know, get you by you got to stand up and present your work in front of everybody. You got to let people talk about your work, right? So take, for example, when you make an advertisement, let's say you make a Super Bowl ad, 
think about how many people see that ad, right? And it's going to immediately go on Instagram. It's immediately going to go on YouTube, right? So first of all, you've had all this work criticized by your internal agency. And then you've had all this work get immediately dropped on a platform like YouTube and have millions of people tell you whether or not they like your your stuff or not, right? It's like putting your work in an art gallery and have millions of people walk through it and tell you thumbs up or thumbs down. Mm -hmm. So you have to develop a lot of steel in your stomach to be able to stand up and put your work out there knowing I put my best foot forward and what it is is what it is. And if some people like it, they do. And some people don't, they do. And that's just what it is. And not let that make you emotionally irrational about your work. You yeah. know? Or not let you have fear about it. Just keep putting it out. Keep putting out what you believe is the best and at the end of the day, it is what it is. And I learned that from VCU, to be honest with you. Like, some of the professors there really did a good job of like getting you ready to like deal with the stress of of like making work that everyone sees. You know what I mean? So when I got to, when I got to widen, I hit the ground running immediately. Um, and I don't know how other programs are, but I know like the, the kids I, I came up with, we hit the ground running in every shop we went to. You know, we were making work three months out, you know, what I mean? like producing work. So. I'd advise it if, if a person really wants to get a strong, strong education, you know, and I, you know, I should, I, I'm going to plug them, but it's the truth, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, Brand Center was and will be for a long time probably the premier school to go to for that. Yeah. And you also get a master's degree, which I thought was invaluable. So, again, it's part of the business. I'm yeah. paying for this thing. I'm going to get a piece of paper that's going to give me a little more value later, you know. Got it. Um, so, you grew up in Virginia and you went to school in Virginia. Yeah. Um, VA all day. <laughs> Looking at your LinkedIn, I know you. I think you also worked there at a period of time. You worked yeah. in Virginia. So the question is, what what's the what's it like working in Virginia versus working in Portland? Oh, uh, similar and different. You know, the South is different than the Northeast. But when I like working in Virginia, those those jobs weren't like jobs that were, I guess, like real jobs they were they were just to get by jobs you know what i mean like so it was just, I, I was different the environment was different i was different you know i didn't have a pot to piss in and didn't have a window to throw it out of so life was different and now you know when i started working in in portland i was growing up i was 29 when i moved to portland so it was time to grow up you know it was time to get a 401k you know what i mean it was time to start having responsibilities and, and like handling those responsibilities as an adult and stop holding on to my 20s, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's the big difference to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you just mentioned you moved to Portland at 29. Yeah. How do you like the city? Like, for me, personally, like, I have goals of, you know, one day working at Widen or, like, yep. Nike or something like that. Um, and I always question, like, Portland, though? Like, yeah. Well, well, what's the city like from your perspective? Man, it's changed a lot. Like, but for me, like, I grew up in a small town in, in the mountains of Virginia, so it was, like, Portland was not too big for me, you know what I mean? When I, go, when I used to go to New York, I, man, I have anxiety being in the city. And I'm a, I'm a person that feeds off energy, but that it's like plugging in a blow dryer into like a, a gigawatt <laughs> drive, you know what I mean? Like it would just be so much energy that just overloads. But Portland was like the perfect size for me. And moving from Richmond, Virginia, the cities are kind of similar. And I, it's changed a lot now. It's getting a lot bigger now. Uh, it's getting a lot culture, more cultural now, which is a good thing. Uh, but it wasn't very cultural at first. You know, it wasn't a lot of black and brown faces there. Uh, and and the ones it was weren't necessarily the most welcoming people just because, like, so many people are moving to the city. So you can imagine, like, how some of the locals felt. Like, who are all these people coming out? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Buying up all of our property and stuff, <laughs> you know. But I found a good, like, for me, what saved me in Portland immediately was the crew of friends that, I connected with. I immediately made 
like a group of best friends. And we've been like best friends ever since. And it's some of the most uh, amazing girls and guys that I've ever been around. So that's really, really what saved and uh, skews my Portland experience is the people that I met there. You know, through work, through Widen, uh, through some of the places like Instrument, and, uh, Camp Grizzly, you know, some, some of my best friends are up there. You know, yeah. right? Is it a place you see yourself like staying long term? I know you mentioned you just bought a house. Yeah, I, I bought a house about two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago now. So Congratulations on that. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't a hard decision because, you know, I'm working the company, two companies that I'm working for, I love. Are, are there so to me it was also an investment on like time if I want to be here I at least want to be comfortable while I'm here and you know start paying myself instead of paying somebody else to live yeah. yeah. but it was a good time to buy there Portland is, a, is the type of city where you can get in and, and get a little real estate and start learning on it but um, yeah I can see myself living in Portland for a while but I want to like for me being in Portland is a responsibility to help change Portland for the better it's a great city, but you know it, it has some it has some blind spots and some room for improvement. Yeah, and having people like myself and some of the other people of color up there that have come from industries like Nike and Adidas and Widens of, of the world, we're helping change that. You know, we're helping bring it in a, a different type of point of view and perspective into Portland. Okay, I heard you say like in a past interview you you spoke about you like stumbled into advertising because you played sports and you got hurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I just want to talk a little bit about that. Like, what type of like um, principles or like traits did you pick up in sports that you think have helped you later on in life, like in your career personally? Uh, ownership and, and like responsibility and teamwork. Uh, I think like football taught me so much about taking responsibility about things. You know what I mean? You, you never like. There's no I in team, right? That's what everybody says. But it's like that, and in advertising, you got a lot of you got a lot of sensitive egos. You got a lot of people that are very, you know, very sensitive. And sometimes, you, you know, leadership football taught me that. Like, you got to know that that guy, he's not good at this right now. How can we make him better? Maybe we can put him. Maybe we're gonna shift him from the left side to the right side. Oh, that's gonna make all the difference for his comfort. And you know, maybe that quarterback don't like to be on the center, but he likes to come out of shotgun. You know, it's little things where you just learn like to be open to people and listen to what they say and then try to work with people as a team and find out what strengths people have and put them in a position to succeed. And that makes the entire team move better, you know. And also I think football players uh, especially have this ability. And I, uh, this is what I try to incorporate into like working in, in places is taking ownership when you have mistakes. And sometimes taking ownership when you didn't make the mistake. But that relieves the pressure off of everyone else. You know what I mean? You come into a meeting, if I'm seeding something and I I feel like it didn't go right in, in a review to one of my superiors, now I might come and say, that's my fault. You know, well, we, it might not be my fault, but we're going we're gonna to take the blame for that because the people under me, is if I can send them back with better marching orders and less stress about failure, then they're going to perform better. You know what I mean? Versus... Well, look, you guys screwed this up for me, and now I'm mad. So now I got to punish you. You got to punish the person below you, and they're going to punish the person below them. You know what I mean? Sometimes somebody just got to take the blame and say, you know what? That's on me. I should have called it. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Let's get back after it the same way, same energy, and I'll take them bullets every time. You know, I, and I think I think that's something you learn in football a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, think it's, I think it's cool how you, you know, you, you're an athlete, and then you went from being an athlete to working on uh, an athletic account. Yeah. Nike. That was so, always my dream. <laughs> yeah. My, my question is, like, how important is it for 
the creative who's creating the content to be an actual consumer of what they're creating for? I think that's a great question, man. Like, look, I've got to be honest with you. Like, um, I in the, is in the years in this industry, I haven't seen a lot of people who necessarily know about the things they're working on. You know, I, and I think it's a problem. It's just my opinion, but like, I don't. Do I think you have to be a basketball player to work on Nike basketball? No. No. Do I think you have to have long hair to work on a shampoo? No. Like, but do I think you need some of that around it at all times to keep you honest? Excuse me. Yeah, I think you do. I, I think it's important to have people that have passion. You know, you'll hear me say this a lot. Passion wins. Passion wins everything. It's a philosophy I have about even when you're working with partners. Like, passion wins. The person more passionate deserves to be really heard. And if I'm not if I can't like you're not passionate about this like why you own it you know what I mean so you gotta find that passion sometimes when you're on stuff that you can't relate to I had a creative director once tell me that man you gotta find a way to fall in love with it, with it. if it's something that's not you're not into you gotta fall in love with it somehow and he's he was absolutely right Ryan O'Rourke was, who told me that Ryan's been a, uh, one of the best CDs on Nike they've ever had and he's been up there at Widen for many years but we were talking about a project once, and I couldn't get into it. He said, I mean, you just got to fall in love with it. You got you to find a way to fall in love with it. But I think that comes naturally. That love comes naturally when you are already in love with it. You know what I mean? Take you. You used to rap. If I put you on, you know, a Beats account right now, you're going to be like, I've been waiting for this forever, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's easy work now, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And you're going to have a passion for it. When I, when I tell you... I don't like any of these ideas. Come back with more tomorrow. You can be like, easy. Mm-hmm. I got passion for this. I can, we can talk this all day. You know what I mean? And so, you know, that was what sports was for me. It was like an opportunity to, to work on things I truly love, you know, and culture and music, things that I truly love. So I do think it's important. I don't think it's the end all be all. So anybody that, you know, is out there that is like, man, I want to work on Nike, but I'm not a football player or a basketball player. That's all right. <laughs> But do I, I do think that it's important to be around the people that do love it. Yeah. I think it makes you a, a stronger creative when you love it. Okay. I agree. I agree. So I want to talk about some of the work you did. I, I went through yeah. uh, as much of the catalog as I can. Um, some stuff that stuck out to me in particular was um, the TurboTax stuff you did with DJ Khaled. Uh, yeah. Uh, and one of the yeah. descriptions I read that, like, you guys had, like, planned for months what you were going to do. And, like, yeah. the night before, you had to scrap it and restart. So, like, yeah. When you're in the trenches like that, like what's that process like? Oh, we and had an amazing project team. specifically, like how, what happened? Yeah, we had an amazing team. I, so I got on the, you know, like I remember when we were working at, on that stuff, we got on late and um, I got on it a little bit later and I had amazing creative directors on it, Max Stinson, Eric Ferencroft, and amazing partner, Jerry Higgins. And they were, they were already kind of leading this thing, right? And uh, I just got on and got to help try to make better stuff on it. Um, and... We had a bunch of ideas, man, and, and like, people don't read the contract sometimes, and things happen, and, and last minute, people change their mind, and this happens a lot. This is this is uh, the truth about this industry. It's like, you're rarely in control. You just, what you do a lot is in preparation for when it goes bad, you know what I mean? But see, that's the fun part, and I think a lot of people forget that. Your, your job is to be a creative problem solver. That's what they pay you to do, and problems are going to happen every single day. And it's, it's even more fun when it's happening in real time on a shoot, right? Like, it hurts because sometimes you're going, man, we already had this thing scripted out exactly how it was going to be. We knew exactly what it was going to be and where it was going to be. 
and now it's completely different. But that's that's the fun part, man. That's when you get to call Audible and make whatever you want to make. Mm. You know what I mean? That's when you have less eyes on it, less people approving it, less everything. And you get to just be purely creative with, you know, it's me handing you some paint and some brushes and saying, man, the canvases didn't come in. We still need some art on these walls. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right, I'm going to make something real quick. You know what I mean? And that's the fun part of it. So. Yeah, that, that happens a lot. That one particular one was just a hilarious case because DJ Khaled is a, a hurricane of energy to work with. Mm-hmm. So, man, like, when things went wrong with him, they went, like, surprisingly right wrong. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, good times, though. But that's, okay. that's going to be your whole career. Like, every time you get on a shoot, something bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Every every time. It, man, it'll be so stupid stuff. Like, somebody didn't bring the shoes. I've, I've had to cut hair. I cut hair, right? I grew up cutting hair. I've had to cut hair on shoots mm. in the middle of a shoot because we might not have a barber staff that day. Mm. Or the director says, you know, one of the talent's hair looks too much like the hero. Oh, man, we got to do something about it, but there's no barber on staff. You know what I mean? So, Brandon, you still cut? Yep. <laughs> Who got some clippers? I'm running to the store to get some right now. You know, our makeup's got a pair of clippers. Can you work with these? Yeah, let's do it, you know. Uh, so, you, that's the fun part is like, being a Swiss Army knife, you know what I mean, and fixing problems when they happen. Yeah. As a, as an AD, are you always on set? Yeah, that's the best part for yeah. AD. Okay. Writers have a heavy hand up front, right? Because you know the voice and the tone of it is is the writer's world up front. You can help with that. You should always be helping with that. Mm-hmm. But writers really are setting the tone. You know, when people are reading the words, that's setting the tone for what this is going to be. An art director in the beginning is setting the aesthetic, but as a good art director, you want to be involved with it. You want to have a rapport with the director. And you want to be right up with them, you know, as much as they'll allow within reason, so that you can be collaborating. And if you got a good collaborative director, then you're gonna be sitting right next to them the whole time, working like that the whole time. I know. And, and even with your partner, your writing partner will be up there too. And you're starting to see now, writer and art director starting to merge a little bit. Mm-hmm. Starting to see kind of crossover creative, where you know a good writer is starting to understand the aesthetic part of advertising and communications and practice it. I work. I'm blessed, man. I work with writers that comp their own comps, make their own stuff. You know, so it's amazing. And I love throwing in scripts. And some of the best writers I've ever worked with will let me write a terrible script, and then they'll fix it. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They'll be like, "Yeah, you misspelled every word. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna tighten it up for you, though." You know? okay. <laughs> I'm glad you just uh, brought up the 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 uh, like having partners with the AD and the, and the writer. Um, you're actually like my first creative that I've that I've had on the well, first AD that I've had on the mm-hmm. podcast. Um, so I have like a, a couple more just like you know basic questions that are probably simple to you but yeah. to people listening may have may not understand um, what is the pairing process like because I know a lot of times agencies always have like as a creative you have a, a pair a, yeah. a partner um, is that something that you choose when you come in is that something that you develop in school and you guys pair up or does the agency when you get hired put yeah. you with someone like how does that usually work it's a little bit of everything you just said um, you know if you're lucky and you work for a shop you may have you may get recruited with your partner a partner that you love and um and that's usually will only last for a little while advertising tends to want to break you up and try different combinations to see what it produces and that's a good thing for you to do but it's a good thing for you to find your comfort and work with people you're comfortable with and then as you get more senior a lot you have more say usually in who your partners are going to be you know you might have a person that you just make magic with you saying, man, this is who I'm going to ride with. And, you know, I've had partners like that where I'm like, if I get approached about another job, I say, well, call him too. Mm. Or call her too and, and see if they're interested as well because 
I know that person is a person I trust and would be willing to do this work with. But it's a little bit of everything you said. You have some say sometimes, you have no say sometimes, and that's also the fun of it. So researching you, um, I found a lot of commercials. Yeah. Um, have you done any type of advertising outside of TV? Uh, like, mean, like print? Oh, yeah, tons radio, of that stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, tons of that stuff. Uh, well, Not actually, radio, you're AD, sorry. Yeah, we, well, we do radio too, but I, I've been a part of radio campaigns, but not that wasn't really my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and tons of print, you know, and tons of, of uh, stuff like that, out of home and stuff, but... I just don't put that stuff in my portfolio right now. Okay. Uh, what you'll realize, and this is for every young creative that's like going to listen to this, and this is for you as well. When you do your portfolio, your portfolio is like your museum, right? And you're inviting people as a guest to come into this museum, and you're going to curate it the way you want it to look. So I, I put the things on the walls that I want to be there. You know? Okay. And for reasons, you know, sometimes you might see a piece of work that you go, it, it doesn't feel up to the standard I want it to feel, or it might not be, um, it might not have the look I wanted it to have, or, uh, or I might have lost some battles with the client about something. You know, there's a lot of reasons why you might not put a piece up in your book, but the important message is it's your book. Mm-hmm. Just because you made some work don't mean you got to show it. it. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? So, got it. I, I was listening to an interview with Kendrick Lamar not long ago where he was talking about he made, his first song was like the worst song he ever made in his life. You know, and he, he tried is damn it's to hide it you know but people keep trying to dig a song back up yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and you get you get to put what you want on it you know? yeah uh so i mean you've been in the industry for a long time you worked on a lot of projects like what what's your what are you most proud of what's your favorite project so uh, oh man probably projects that never came out mm-hmm. you know what i mean so many that never never came out um some of the early stuff that we did when colin kaepernick started his protests that never came out some of that stuff was my most proud stuff. Mm-hmm. There was some work years ago, some ideas, simple ideas for Baltimore when they were having protests that, you know, people got cold feet and, and pulled. Um, yeah, there's, man, so many lists. Like, most creatives will tell you probably this, that yeah, so much work never sees the light of day. You know, your best work probably never sees the light of day. Um, so I say, man, I could go on for hours about work that never came out, man. Mm-hmm was my most proud moments <laughs> you know when, when you say the protest work um you mentioned baltimore and colin um how, how did those projects come about like were these ideas that you just came up with and tried to pitch to them or did they yeah. come in and say hey we need to speak on this uh yeah. here's a brief both. create something yeah both that happens both you know good company sometimes wants to be reactive mm-hmm. so they you know as the agency of record on some of these companies you, they'll come in and tell you hey, what should we do here? And sometimes a good agency will just say, hey, you know, we need to tell our, our client this is what they should be doing right now. So it's a little bit of both, you know. Hopefully you work with a company that has brands that have a symbiotic relationship with each other and can communicate that way. But, you know, sometimes it was us coming up with our own thing. Sometimes it was us being asked to come up with something. It, you know, years and years of you doing it, you'll have it You'll have it every way, you know what I mean? It'll, it'll come to you every way, but usually, you know, you, you just get the assignment, you work on it, and then it dies, and <laughs> you move on to the next one. Um, what's, it, what's it like seeing your work on TV? Uh, does, it, know, does it phase you anymore? Like, no, nah, it don't phase me anymore. It, it used to be real fun. Uh, I'm from a, I'm literally from the middle of nowhere. You know, I'm from a small, small town in the middle of nowhere uh, called Tazewell, Virginia. And it, like, it's ironic. I work for Google. And Google Maps doesn't even go to Street View there. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So 
that's gonna be my goal if I leave Google is to get my town map put my, and literally put my town on the map. You might have you know to do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, hey, I might have to. Let me borrow this car real quick. Uh, but you know, I come from such a small, 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 small place that like I can't believe that I made a commercial that everyone's watching at the same time in the world. You know what I mean? I could call my mom and say, "Watch the TV right now. It's coming on. Watch this game right now. This, this commercial about to come on." Um, but then I realized that like. Like, my parents don't even care. <laughs> they like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what am I watching. You know what I mean? They, they, they're very proud of me, but, like, they don't even get it. Like, they're, yeah. they're like, I'm wasting you know, I'm wasting their time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, okay. you, better, you better get out there and take this trash out. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, the, 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 like, the shine rather rubs off pretty quick. You're like, oh, it's so cool, man. It's so cool that everybody gets to see this. And then it's like, all right, then you just start kind of moving on to have other goals. You know, yeah. It's still dope. Don't get me wrong, it's still dope. You know, but shoot, you you can put a commercial on YouTube now and get more views in an hour. You know what I mean? It's fun to watch that number jump. Mm-hmm. You know, four million, five million, ten million, twelve million. You're like, dang! Especially when it's organic. You one of the ones that read the comments? I used to love yeah. the comments, man, because uh, I I even love the hate because that again it goes back to what I was saying earlier, like putting that steel in your gut. Mm-hmm. I love hearing people talk, you know, mad crap about your work because like, good. That's your opinion. You need to know. You need to know that people perceive your work that way. Mm-hmm. You need to know that some people out here hate that. Mm-hmm. You wasted somebody's time with this thirty seconds. You know what I mean? That's that's like my metric for making work too. I tell you, this is another piece of advice for you. Like, you know, obviously you're trying to fulfill a brief, but one of my main goals is like, if I'm going to take thirty seconds out of your life, sixty seconds, ninety seconds out of your life, I'm gonna to try to entertain you in some way, and I'm gonna to try to make you feel something. And associate that feeling with this brand who's paying me to do such. But at the same time, I honestly want to, if it's humor, if it's emotion, like, I want you to feel something when you, you know, when you when you watch this. We're taking time out of your day. At least we can do is try to, like, tell you something you didn't know or tell you something you didn't, you did know in a way you didn't know it. You know, or at least make you laugh. At least make you smile. At least do something that brings something, some joy into the world versus taking away from it. So... I think for me, like, watching your ads, like, I'm one of those guys that I, I used to watch commercials and be like, oh, I could have thought of that. Oh, that's yeah. nothing. That's nothing. Yeah. But when I watch your work, it's like a totally different perspective on a, on a 30-second commercial that, you know, it goes super deep. It's super, um, you know, it's just cinematic and it tells a, a story that's very deep, very quick. Yeah. Um, that's the goal. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. always been the goal. Is like, I was like, you know, I wanted to be in film when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know I didn't even think it was possible I didn't know that was it. like you gotta understand like where I'm from information doesn't travel very quickly into small places like that so like I always feel like I'm behind the curve even even now you know I still feel like I'm playing catch up to my age you know I'm 37 but I, I still feel like you know sometimes like I'm 28 or something trying to trying to like figure it all out because the world comes at you fast and, and like you don't know what you don't know right and you know for me Film was uh, was something that I always saw that was a, just amazing. Like, man, a person made a movie. You know what I mean? I remember the first time I saw Friday, F. Gary Gray. I met F. Gary Gray last uh, two years ago, and uh, it was surreal for me to to meet him. Now I realize that like, he's a he's a regular human being. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's a regular dude. Like he daps up people the same way I do. He says what's up the same way I do. You know what I mean? He just you know. And, and when he was telling me the stories about Friday. It just blew my mind, right? Like, he was telling me all the behind-the-scenes stuff, like, what was really happening and how he was afraid of getting fired on it because there was some 
label stuff. It was just a whole bunch of stuff, but it, it blew my mind because it was like, man, I just always envisioned him as like this, like an idol, you know what I mean? And to find out, to, to really realize like, yeah, man, he still can be an idol, but he's like a regular human being that's an idol. It makes it more attainable. And film was like the gateway, but I always was 100% sure I could never do film because i never seen anyone ever do film, you know what I mean? Uh, and when I dropped out of college the first time, I went to a career counselor and told her I want to do uh, Nike ads. But I didn't even know there was a such thing called advertising. Mm. I thought these were small movies. <laughs> I knew they were ads, but I never heard of an advertising agency. You know what I mean? I'm like 22 years old, and I've never heard of an advertising agency. I go, I tell this lady at VCU, I want to make these Nike ads. I still remember the ads. And she said, that's called creative advertising. And I'm like, what? That's creative advertising. She's like, that's what you want to do, creative advertising. I'm like... I guess. I don't even know what that is. You know what I mean? Sign me up. So I here I am thinking, like, I'm about to start making these little movies. You know what I mean? Mm, makes <laughs> so, sense. Makes sense. Yeah, even okay. now, that's how I try to look at things. It's yeah. like, uh, I always want to feel like everything I make to feel cinematic, and feel like a movie, and feel like, I don't know, to feel crisp and nice and, like, give you a feeling. It's for you. You know what I mean? As a consumer to see it, see yourself in it. You know what I mean? So that, that, that's that's probably why I'm, I'm like that. One day we'll try to make a movie. We'll see. That was my next question. <laughs> yeah. That was actually my next question. Um, One day. Yeah. Okay. What uh, have you have you won any awards for your work? Yeah. I, I honestly, God couldn't tell you what awards though. <laughs> you know, I learned this was a thing I learned really early, uh, especially being like a black creative working on work that was uh, always going to have a little more of a black feel to it. I realized that, like, in this industry, awards equal money, right? Like, and, and promotions and raises. And that's and you should chase that stuff if, if you have the energy for it. For me, at times, I was just so thankful to, like, actually be on track with my life and being able to have be on a platform I could give back and help other people. That's where I put a lot of my energy towards. I never really put my energy towards winning awards. Mm-hmm. I always felt like we were at a disadvantage in that category anyway. Like, you take a, you take a piece with... Um, about football, American football. You know, uh, I got a couple of pieces in my book about the, or American football. Well, you go to like a, a Warsaw, like Can, and, and you got a European audience and the European judges. And then not only are you making this football thing that is kind of foreign to them, um, but the characters are foreign to young black kids in, in neighborhoods. You know what I mean? And you realize it like you're at a great disadvantage in a global award show. You know what I mean? And, and think about it. Like, sports and, and like, black culture and, and, and uh, advertising aren't necessarily always connected in a way. Even though advertising feeds off of those things, they're still not really connected. So you, you got judges for these things. And I've been judges of these things, so I know that have no idea what the cultural impact that that piece of communication may be having. May not understand how powerful it is may not get the nuanced things in it that are that only the culture would get so they therefore they can't judge it in an award show accurately and that's okay you know what i mean so in order for me never to feel that way i just stop ever trying to get awards i just completely said you know we yeah. just that just won't that just won't be my road you know what i mean so i get an email hey you won an award for this oh that's awesome and i just go on back to work you know what i mean because it's not important to me. Yeah. And maybe it should be. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be important to everyone. But those awards help agencies. You know what I mean? Retain work and win work. Um, 
it's, it's still subjective. If your work don't, you can have the best work in, look, Beyonce, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> Beyonce had the best record of the year, right? Single Ladies had the best video of the year. Taylor Swift video won that, right? Like, Kanye was 100% right. The problem was, he it wasn't what he said, it's when he said it. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? If you would have waited until after the it. show, and how he said it. If you would have waited until after the show said it, everyone would have said, yep, he right. Yeah. So it's all opinions, right? Somebody out there, like, Macklemore won the Grammy over Kendrick Lamar's album. This is communications. Music's mass communications. You know what I'm saying? Beyonce, music videos is mass communications. You, if you can see discrepancies in judgment on that level, then what we do is absolutely skewed. You know what I mean? Like, so, to me, I try to make my work very authentically black without pandering, without being, you know, without being heavy-handed. I want it to be authentic and real, and I want people to see themselves in it and relate to it in a way that feels honest and authentic to, to my people, my neighborhood, my friends, you know. But with that, I know I'm sacrificing certain things, and that's okay. Yeah. So don't chase them. You'll win them anyway. You're going to win mad awards. You got to, though. It's the numbers are in your favor to win awards. Mm. You know? But if you're making things that you feel good about, that's your award. It's good advice, man. It's good advice. Um, let's, before we started recording, we talked a little bit about like diversity in the industry. Um, I just want you, you know, your take on it. You've been in it for a number of years, and I want to know, like, has it changed since you got in? And what do you think are the issues, like, um, keeping, uh, let's just say, black men from being, like, in creative departments in terms of recruiting or, well, you know? I got a little bit of a hot take on this. Like, I do think it's, uh, you know, I hear recruiters all the time talk about they can't find diverse talent. Well, to answer your first question, it's changing. You know, it's only a matter of time. It's changing. We're starting to get multicultural agencies. We're starting to get, uh, you know, a few leaders at the top, people of color. They're starting to pass that down and, and, and reach down. But, like, when I got in the industry, I knew of a couple of black creative directors. And I reached out to those black creative directors with very little um, advice or help or insight or anything out of that. And I don't, have, I don't really hold a grudge against it. But I thought for me that I was going to have mentors I thought I was going to have North Stars I thought they were going to be I thought these people were going to be like wow you're one of us and, and like we want to help make sure that you have a great career and give you all the advice that I didn't have and blah 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 right that didn't happen I mean it never happened like I never once had uh, one of those idols of advertising pass information down to me so I realized like Dram said you know I had to go and get it myself you know what I mean and the diversity thing, I think, it, for many years hurt me. Uh, I was at a time before it was the soup du jour. It's the soup du jour in, in advertising right now and marketing is diversity. And, and people got to understand, it's just because these companies need diversity of thinking. They need diversity of thought. They need diversity of everything to, to, in order to give a more informed opinion about work, right? You got Beyonce walking out of meetings and saying, I'm not working with X, Y, and Z because I don't see nobody there that looks like me. So... What do you think the reaction to that is? We got to get some people to look like Beyonce in here. You know what I mean? Like, we need more people to, to fit that bill. It, it's a slippery slope. And it can be dangerous. But it's getting better. Sometimes for the right reasons. Sometimes for the wrong reasons. But when I, because I know it's getting better, I feel like I have more of a responsibility now to make sure that anybody that I meet is coming into this industry 
I'm giving them the escalator to success. Because I took the stairs. That's why I always tell like my young kids I help them. I'm going to give you the escalator. I'm taking the stairs. And you got to pass on the elevator. So that's that's the agreement we have. You know what I mean? I will, I'll take time out of my day to give you all the information to help you have a successful career. To empty my Rolodex for connections for you. But when I call you one day and say, hey, I got another young person over here that is going to need your help now because I don't have time to do it. Give them the elevator. You know what I mean? And I wish more people had felt that responsibility to like reach back to our community and, and make sure that just because we're getting an influx of more diverse talent, that we're preparing that talent better. You know what I mean? Because who better to prepare our talent than us? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, who better to show the ropes to than us? So I, I wish there was more of that. I didn't have it for sure. You know what I mean? And, and I hate I hate to have to admit that, but I didn't. I never once got had a senior black creative reach out and say, like, let me show you the ropes. I didn't start making good work. Like, the work I wanted to make, rather, until I had a black creative director. One of my homeboys, Max Stinson, who's uh, one of the top creatives in this industry, is uh, like somebody who, one of the few people I really, really, truly look up to like that uh, as far as a black creative. He, like, it wasn't until he and I linked up that we were able to start having, like, the type of work we want to make because now the barrier for entry is easier, right? Like, I can tell him an idea and he can go, oh, man, I know exactly what you're thinking with that. And here's a way to make it a little better. Ooh, really? Oh, and by the way, this is how you carry yourself in this thing. And this is how you carry yourself in this thing. You know what I mean? And like, so I'm so thankful for Max by the time. But by the time I met Max and, and really started being under him, um, I'd already kind of been through like years of like, damn, we ain't got no support. You know what I mean? So it was it was a breath of fresh air to, to, to meet him. But and like really link up with him and become really good friends and colleagues with him. But before him, man, <laughs> nobody. You know what I'm saying? Nobody. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked at like I worked for places like you know at Widen where you had you know you had some some brothers that was in charge of stuff that never even spoke to you. You know what I mean? Like I was happy to see that we had powerful black leadership, but I never once went to lunch with that type of leadership or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know 100 percent what you mean. Yeah, and that, that's frustrating to me because. But then also at the same time you gotta understand and, and some of the young some of the young kids out there who listen to this need to understand it. Maybe those people only working what they have to work with. Maybe they trying maybe they protecting what they what they have and, and they don't really know where you're coming from because maybe they're not coming from the same place you're coming from. So before we get mad at them, you know, we gotta take time to have a little empathy and understand. So maybe their situation is different and that's why they like that. But you're gonna get to a point where you can do that. Now, if you're in my agency, or you you come to Brand Studio, and you're a person, I'm, I'm reaching out to you day one. I, the first time I see you, hey, here's my number, here's my LDAP. Call me if you need anything. Let's talk. What you need? You know what I mean? Let's go. Let's go get lunch. What do you need? What concerns do you have? What problems can I alleviate? How can we get you on a foundation where you feel like you're comfortable here, so you can work? You know what I mean? So you can build a portfolio. So you can get raises, you know what I mean? So you can be a productive employee versus like getting past that first barrier of entry, whereas I don't even feel comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like this is the thing I think people don't understand. Young young people of color come into agencies and don't even feel comfortable in the walls yet. So now how do you think they're gonna feel comfortable making the work? You know what I mean? Like they don't feel That's comfortable right. being in the building yet. You know what I mean? What, what's the most difficult part of your job? What Not you having mean? control 
mm. of like so, sometimes you might know like the best thing uh, and you can't force people to see it they don't know they don't know what they don't know and you know you might have an opinion about something that you know for a fact is going to hit perfectly uh, in a right way and, and like you know somebody above you makes a call and you like you have to live with it like man that's the hard part you're going to lose a lot of like decisions that you know for a fact are the right decision but you know, for whatever reason you don't get to do it so that's the hard part about it what about the most rewarding uh, man getting to wear whatever you want to wear to work you know what I mean yeah. like just being being able to be you in an environment that pays you and, and pays good advertising pays good man marketing pays good like uh, sometimes I think we're overpaid for, for what we actually do when you, you got I grew up in a place where like you better not shake a man's hand and not have calluses on your hand. You know what I mean? People out here working hard for their money. And, and you know, we work hard, but it's a different type of work. Mm -hmm. You know, like now we're in a situation where my back hurts from sitting all day, not yeah, actually not working. working all day. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's the, the rewarding part is being able to do something that is fun and get paid for it and be able to provide for people around you and yourself and take care of yourself, pay your bills, and, you know, and it, and it still be a fun job, you know? This this interview has been full of like a lot of advice and knowledge, um, which I really which I really respect and appreciate. Um, so as we wrap it up, I just want to know like, can you just give like one final piece of advice, quick piece of advice that people can walk away from this and, and apply to their life or uh, to their career? To their career, young young creators or something they can yeah. apply their career. Exactly. Um, I say today, like if I had to give that advice today, I'm say. Don't worry about what other people think about your work. You know? Like, you have to... The best creatives are, like... The best... The people that really do well in this industry are people that are... Outliers. People are attracted to the unknown. They're attracted to something that's different. And people that are moving differently. That law of attraction will always be there. So don't conform for the sake of fitting in don't conform for the sake of like making the work that uh, you know your boss wants you to make the, the reward in this industry and the, the stars in this industry are the people who are outliers who, who are doing their own thing and those are the people that's going to always have the best careers you know what I mean as long as you treat people good too and have you know respect for what you're doing have respect for the opportunity and, and respect for the people around you that's giving you the opportunity you know and you, but as long as you do that and you keep pushing the boundaries and keep being original and keep being originally you, you're going to have a really rewarding career and you're going to have a lot of fun, you know. Don't don't think, like, you got to do what everyone else is doing or make work that looks like everyone else is or wear what everyone else is wearing. You'll see that in advertising too, man. You know what I mean? Like, your boss come in with with a certain type of sunglasses and now everybody want to wear them sunglasses because this is like, this means we cool, you know. Yeah, yeah. You see that, like, oh, man, somebody got this type of pair of shoes. I need to get this type of pair of shoes. That makes me cool. That makes me a creative. You know what I mean? Like, I got my earbuds in because everybody got the earbuds in. I'm a creative. You know, I wear all black. <laughs> I'm a creative. You know, that's... Yeah. Don't fall for that stuff. Be, be you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Look around at the... And, and like, this is the other piece of advice. I get another piece of advice. This is... Look around. Have muses. Look around and, and like, find things in the world that you love and, and figure out why you love them. Don't just love them. Actually figure out why you love them as a young creative that's going to inform everything you do. Have muses. Have, have idols. You know what I mean? 
like as a kid, man, I love Prince. I love Grace Jones. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love Oddballs. You know, Outkast. I love like I was always drawn to people that was just doing things differently. And, like that stuff informs some of my decisions now. You know what I mean? When I start thinking about something plain, I go like. Let me go back and watch this Grace Jones video real quick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, get, let me get a little juice off of that. All right, let me go see what Missy Elliott would do right here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. all right. Yeah, all right. We got to do it a little different. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that, that's that's a piece of advice. I, mean, I could go on all day for Maybe we should do another one of these one day where it's just advice about. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do part two when I'm, <laughs> when I'm, in, when I'm in Portland at, at some point. Well, come up and, and yeah, we have yeah. to, you know, when you, you graduate, you come up and I'm going to take care of you up there and introduce you to some folks and get you plugged in so you can be a, so you can be a guest on your own show. All right. I'm, I got that on tape now. Don't, yeah, don't all right, go back. All right. Hold me to it. <laughs> nah, but uh, how can listeners get in touch with you if they want to reach you? Uh, check my email. You know, I, I'm old school. I actually do respond to, to my stuff. My LinkedIn. Brandon Viney. If any kids out there that are trying to get in this industry and you lost, you just need like to pick somebody's brain for a second, or you just need to get recalibrated on, on like what you need to be doing, or you just need some advice on your work. Uh, holler at me on LinkedIn, Brandon Viney, or uh, hit me on Instagram. Hit me on my emails, just brandonviney at gmail.com. I ain't hard to find. I keep a low profile on, on social media, but I ain't hard to find. You know what I mean? You know, so, and, and I do respond. I do, I do my best to always respond to people. All right, Brandon. Well, again, thank you for sitting down. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me, homie. No problem. What's up, everybody? Before we go, if you want to hear and learn more about the ad industry, make sure you check out our other episodes in the podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, you can email academicspodcast at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Feel free to like, leave a review, post it on any and all social channels. You can find us on LinkedIn and Instagram at academics, or you can find me personally at Justin D. Barnett. I'm Justin D. Barnett, and you've been listening to the Academics Podcast.